Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Ready to bring on the crowd and compete by Joanna K. Zavallis. The Belmont High School Varsity cheer team has been training since July for the upcoming season, which kicked off on September the 13th with the first Marauders football game at Harris Field. Head coach Kelly Angelilio, uh, who came on board as part of BHS coaching staff in January, said she feels blessed with the girls who made up this year's team and have come together as one big family. Angel Lilio has been coaching for 23 years. Her experience includes All-Star, Pop Warner, and she also judges high school cheer competitions. I'm very consistent. I go over things and over things until we are comfortable with it. I'm not one that rushes through, said Angel Lilio. Cheerleading is one of the eight fall varsity sports offered at Belmont High School. This year's team of 23 students includes two freshmen, seven sophomores, six juniors, and eight seniors. There are two varsity teams this year, a game day varsity team, which will bring on the crowd, and a varsity team, which will do more stunts and tumbling and participate in competitions. The BHS varsity cheerleaders will also be competing this year in two invitationals. If they qualify, they will move on to regionals and state competitions. We are now a sport. I don't consider, and the girls don't consider themselves anything other than athletes. They work very hard to become cheerleaders, she said. Compared to other high school cheerleaders who may have seven or eight years of cheer experience through the Pop Warner program, Angela Lilio said most of the students on her Belmont team have never cheered before high school. We start fresh. That's really difficult, but they are doing fantastic. I'm very proud of this team, she said. Angela Lilio hopes the girls will enjoy the season, and she wants uh, all she wants is for them to do their best and feel proud when they come off the floor. BHS senior and varsity cheer captain Catherine Donovan said a lot of people don't realize how hard they work. They don't see the behind the scenes, the stunting what we do to get ready for competitions, said Donovan. She considers her team a family. I want to have fun, a fun season, and I also want to make it far. I really hope we can go to the States, she said. Fellow Captain Anna Biondo agreed with Donovan. We're more, we're more than what you see on Friday nights. There's more to us than just pom-poms. There's a lot of hard work that goes into this, and it brings us really close together as a family, she said. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. A Brief Storm Uproots Trees and Damaged Homes by Joanna K. Zavellis. A brief, heavy rainstorm with 45-mile-per-hour winds wreaked havoc in Belmont on September 4, uprooting trees and causing tree limbs to fall on many homes and streets. 
Two homes negatively affected by uprooted trees were 20 Pequasset Road and 15 Oakley Road. According to the Belmont Fire Department, the town tree that fell in front of the home on Oakley Road was split in half, with one half falling onto the front porch of the home. The home was occupied at the time, but the residents were at the opposite of end of the home and did not suffer any injuries. Belmont Fire inspected the gas and electric utilities of the home, determining that they were not damaged. An attic window was broken. According to the Belmont Fire Department, the home on 20 Pequasset Road had minimal damage, including a broken window, broken gutter, and damage to some of the flashing. Electric service to that home was also damaged. The Public Works Director, Jay Marcotte, said at least five trees were uprooted. His crews worked from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. on September 4th and continued working from 7.30 a.m. this morning. He expects they will be cleaning up until 6 p.m. today. He said they were prepared for a storm, although they did not expect it to be as bad as it was. Other trees fell on Beach Street, Fairview Avenue, and Adams Street. Belmont Light had to disable power for 100 customers in the area of Beach and Irving Streets from 9 p.m. until 10.45 p.m. on September 4 to allow the town's tree removal contractor to remove a tree that fell onto power wires and knocked down two light poles. Belmont Police received nine calls for fallen tree limbs between September 4 and 5. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Select Board to Decide on Light by Joanna Cates of Ellis. One year after a fatal accident at the intersection of Lexington and Sycamore Streets in Belmont on August 28th took the life of young mother Sachi Thanawala, the Transportation Advisory Committee approved the plan for signalized traffic lights to be installed. <coughs> the final decision will now be in the Select Board's hands. TAC also made a separate recommendation to authorize the town to engage a consultant to explore traffic calming measures on Lexington Street. The public hearing was attended on September 5th by several residents in the surrounding neighborhood of Lexington and Sycamore. Many voiced their support for the new signal, including Thanawala's husband, Akash Patel. However, a few neighbors said they would prefer a four-way stop at the intersection instead because they are concerned drivers will speed up to avoid red lights. Some residents also expressed concern about the, sta the, tra the signal causing traffic to back up and prevent them from getting out of their driveways, as well as the noise would make to assist visually impaired pedestrians. Director of Community Development Glenn Clancy said a four-way stop was considered in the past for that intersection, but it was eliminated as an option because of the backup it would cause onto Trapello Road. He said a signalized intersection would not cause a backup because it would be timed with other signals nearby to keep traffic flowing. The volume for the vibration sound of the traffic lights could be adjusted as necessary, according to the town's traffic consultant, Sam Ofeado, from BSC Group, who gave the presentation for the signal plan. Ofeado presented the results of a study conducted by BSC Group to determine if the intersection warrants an intersection. <laughs> Whatever that means. He said the crash rate at the intersection of Lexington and Sycamore Streets is three times the average crash, crash rate of unsignalized intersections. 80% of crashes at the intersection have been angle collisions. 
Ofeado said he also observed turning, turning vehicles encroaching on sidewalks at the intersection of Lexington and Sycamore and leaving tire marks on the sidewalks. The results of the study determined the intersection warrants a signal due to the speed cars travel, the volume of cars, and because it is a school route. Traffic lights added to the intersection will provide an exclusive pedestrian phase, said Ofeado. Speed bumps would be eliminated and no turn on red signs would be installed at all approaches. He also said hedges would need to be trimmed at the eastbound approach on Sycamore Street to improve sight lines. According to TAC member Assistant Police Chief James McIsaac, there has never been a pedestrian fatality in Belmont at a signalized crosswalk intersection. Clancy said a signalized intersection will make it safer for vehicles turning left. Chandler Street resident Kevin Cunningham says he supports the signalized intersection because of the devoted time it allows for pedestrians to safely get across the street. Thanawala was struck by Raymond O'Brien, 45, of Medford, while operating a 2015 Ford Transit van unlicensed. He was turning left onto Lexington Street from Sycamore Street. McIsaac said speed was not a factor in the accident. According to the Middlesex District Attorney's Office, the accident is still under investigation. Over to you, Bob. Thanks, Max. Second annual Porch Fest was brilliant by Joanna K. Zavallis. Brilliant is the one word Belmont Porch Fest Incorporated President Mary Bradley used to describe the second annual Belmont Porch Fest, a tradition she started in Belmont last year. The threat of the, uh, the, threat of the after effects of Hurricane Dorian causing rain until 10 a.m. on September 7th. 15-mile-an-hour winds and cool temperatures had Bradley on edge up until noon the day before Belmont Porch Fest, which was when she had to decide whether or not to move it to the rain date of September the 8th. She decided against changing the date because she knew she would lose many of the performers who signed up to play music on 85 Belmont porches throughout town. Porch Fest is lightning in a bottle, and I want to light up the whole world with it, said Bradley, who has lived in Belmont for seven years and plays the trombone with the School of Honk, one of the bands who performed at this year's grand finale at Pequasset uh, Playground. She started Belmont Porch Fest to bring the Belmont community together and promote inclusivity. In this day and age, we know... Knowing and liking a neighbor is a revolutionary act, and I want to start a revolution, said Bradley. Select Board Vice Chairman Adam Dash was a Belmont Porch Fest host for the second year in a row. Something strange performed on his porch. We had a rock band made up of middle and high school students, which was excellent. A crowd of about 40 people attended the hour-long show, which featured a number of classic and alternative rock songs. The talent of those kids was impressive. They may be called something strange, but they should be called something special, said Dash. Bradley said overall she was very pleased with how this this year's Porch Fest went compared to last year. She admits she had to take on 95% of the responsibility for organizing the event this year, and it was an 80-hour-a-week job for two months, and prior to that, like a full-time job. She is thankful for the volunteers she said this year and called out Casey Williams, treasurer of Belmont Porch Fest, and Tim Flood, 
her safety team, who managed all the logistics on the day of Belmont Porch Fest, including the water tables, sale of merchandise, volunteers, coordination with police and medics, and handling of any kind of problems that arose. I couldn't have done it without them, said Bradley. Free valet parking was offered for bicyclists, uh, for bicyclists at PQ, hosted by Mass Bike and sponsored by Roger Colton and Ann Logie. Colton said that he would like to see bike valet services become a routine part of the town events, be it at the Foundation for Belmont Education Apple Run, the Becca Pisa Run, or Town Day. Seventeen bicycles took advantage of the service at PQ during Belmont Porch Fest. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Just the two of us. Many local musicians to participate in Concert for One series by Dana Barbudo. Fabiola Mendez's fingers moved agilely and rapidly along the strings of her quattro, playing a happy folk song from her native Puerto Rico. It was just the two of us in a small office, seated directly across from each other, strangers forced into an intimate setting. The music starts. My eyes are transfixed as I'm instantly drawn to her hands. My pulse slows. My shoulders loosen. I smile. It's the best 60 seconds of my day. That's the feeling the Quincy-based musician hopes others will experience when the Celebrity Series of Boston's Concert for One gets underway. Over 10 days, Mendez and about 60 other musicians will be paired with one listener for a one-minute private recital, September 20th through 29th at Chin Park in Boston's Chinatown and the Harvard University Science Center Plaza in Cambridge. The free performances will unfurl inside two specially outfitted 10 by 10 foot shipping containers. The goal is to lure 5,000 listeners. Equal parts entertainment and social experiment, the Concert for One is among the more ambitious offerings of the fall arts season. The project is the brainchild of Raina Yu Chow, a classically trained violist and graduate of the New England Conservatory. Chow produced a similar project in her hometown of Taichung City, Taiwan. Her aim is twofold, to bring musicians and listeners closer and to make classical music more accessible. I decided to test how courageous we could be as musicians audiences, visitors, friends, and strangers, Chow said. Could we create a space where players and listeners would spend one minute of time together? What would happen when listeners really listened and musicians could see the immediate reaction of the people they play for? Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. How Green is Public Transit? An editorial by State Senator William Brownsberger. Transportation, including cars and trucks, as well as transit, accounts for over 40% of greenhouse gas emissions in Massachusetts. Greenhouse gas emissions from transportation have risen since 1990, while other parts of the economy, electricity consumption and building energy use, have made progress in reducing emissions. On any given day, choosing to take the T instead of driving is an important way to reduce carbon footprint. That bus or train is going to run with or without you, so at the margin, taking the T is carbon-free. 
And of course, keeping your car off the road reduces congestion for others. But from a systemic standpoint, we need to do more than expand transit use. If we are to achieve our greenhouse reduction goals, we need to make ridership-driven decisions about what transit services to expand, we need to electrify more of this transit system, and we need to accelerate the transition to renewable energy sources for our electricity. The carbon efficiency of a transit system as a whole is a complicated question that turns on several factors. The average number of passengers per vehicle, not just at rush hour, but all around the 24-hour cycle, the energy consumption of loaded vehicles per mile traveled, and for electrified transit vehicles like the subways and trolleybuses, the power generation sources for the electrical grid. From a carbon perspective, a lightly used transit route can be a negative. Diesel buses get only a few miles per gallon. If they have fewer than roughly 10 riders, diesel buses emit more per passenger than single occupancy vehicles. Using our current fossil sources of electricity, trolley buses aren't much better. Although bus riders on every route of the MBTA system often experience overcrowded conditions at rush hour, overall average ridership of MBTA buses runs at about 13 people. Computations of average ridership on a route have to include return trips and off-hour trips. A bus may be full during the morning rush hour as it runs into town, but may be lightly occupied as it cycles out for its next trip in. Additionally, to provide commuters adequate flexibility, buses need to run into the evening when ridership declines. I've posted details and sources at willbrownsburger.com, but here are some key recent statistics specific to the MBTA. On average, net of all the factors identified above, the subways are the most efficient mode, producing a little over 300 pounds of carbon per 1,000 passenger miles. Commuter rail comes next at about 400. Trolley buses and diesel buses are at 523 and 580, respectively. An average single occupancy vehicle comes in at a little under 800. While the gap between cars and transit might not be as much as one would expect, the numbers are consistent with other results. For the rail modes, national data allow comparisons to other systems. The MBTA comes out in the middle of the pack. For buses, the MBTA's energy efficiency is close to national average values. The main conclusion from this analysis is that as we seek to expand and improve transit services, we need to keep ridership in mind. Of course, this isn't an economic necessity, but it also makes environmental sense. Mass transit vehicles are large and require a lot of energy for propulsion. An additional conclusion is that to achieve greenhouse emission reduction goals, as well as air quality goals, we need to push for fuller electrification of the transit system, as well as greener electrical power sources. The MBTA is moving forward on pilot testing of battery buses that would give us the flexibility that trolleys lack to move around construction obstacles and to pass each other so as to provide express service. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Listen to the latest Belmont Story Project. The Belmont Story Project is a local oral history recording project modeled after the NPR's Story Corps. This project collects the stories of the people of Belmont. The topic can have to do with raising your kids, your work life, a funny story, whatever you decide. Whether you've lived here for six months or six decades, your story matters. 
and would love to add your voice to the collection. It's very easy to participate. Interviews are recorded in the Claflin Room at the Belmont Public Library. You need to make an appointment. In the latest Belmont Story Project, Belmont resident Ron Saka speaks with Joanna Zavallis about his family's long history in town, his love of Belmont, and his hopes for the future. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. The annex at Westcott Mercantile officially opens by Joanna K. Zavellis. Belmont resident Mary Westcott Tomajan, owner of Westcott Mercantile, now has two storefronts on the same street in Belmont Center, 63 Leonard Street, and just a few doors down at 49 Leonard Street, where Terra Firma was located for more than 30 years before it closed March 31st. The storefront at 49 Leonard Street would have been empty for this upcoming fourth quarter retail season, so the idea of a fun and creative pop-up shop was born, said Tama Jan. The property's landlord, Kevin Foley of Locatelli Properties, was on board with this idea, and within a month, Tama Jan has transformed the space into an upscale, old-style mercantile, the annex at Westcott Mercantile. A grand opening celebration was held September 5th. Craft Beer Cellar, located next door to the new annex, held a tasting at the opening for visitors to enjoy. Tom and Jan first opened Westcott Mercantile in Cushing Square, 438 Common Street in April 2014. Two years later, a second store opened at 63 Leonard Street in Belmont Center. On August 15th, she closed the store in Cushing Square. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. For the Love of Opera by Keith Powers. Opera audiences know how to be friendly. A gregarious lot who love the art form and love gossiping and learning about it, opera goers don't just go to the show. They show up ahead of time. They meet just to catch up, then see the performance, then to go to opera after parties. Yes, they have those, even in Boston. And then they spend free time social media-ing about the whole experience. With dozens of semi-staged operas, chamber works, and highlights concerts, hardly a weekend goes by without an opera performance. The fall season gets right into the swing of things in September with the Boston Lyric Opera, Odyssey Opera, Whitesnake Productions, and others, all staging productions. Whitesnake begins with a world premiere of I Am a Dreamer Who No Longer Dreams, a collaboration between composer Jorge Sosa and librettist Ceres Lim Jacobs. The Boston Lyric Opera has visited some unusual venues in its long search for a permanent home. Audiences have benefited. When was the last time you saw an opera in an ice skating rink or a basketball court? And the company thrives under director Esther Nelson. Boston Baroque makes opera a big part of its 1920 season, beginning in October with Opera Meets Symphony, their first, two, their first of two excuses to bring the brilliant soprano Amanda Forsyth to audiences. She returns in Handel's Messiah at the holidays. Martin Perlman's ensemble also stages Handel's Ariodante in, uh, in April with soprano Paula Murray. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and X, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.